The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. So we've been talking about as a man thinks in his heart so easy. Amen. And uh, we established a lot of uh, Bible-based principles around our thinking. We found out that you are a spirit, uh, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. And we also found out that within your soul is where your mind and your will and your emotions are. So your soul is your decision-making center. Amen. Uh, In your soulish realm... Uh, This is where we said, where your mind and your will and your emotions are. Amen. And so we talked about the mind according to Romans chapter number 12, uh, verse 2, which says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed, be changed. Uh, uh, There is a radical change of form. That can take place in your life uh, when you begin to practice Romans chapter number 12, which says don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. In other words, do not let life circumstances shape the way you respond. Do not let life circumstances shape you. Do not let uh, 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 the world shape you. You must let the word of God shape you. So you do not conform to the patterns of this world, but you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think. And when you do, you'll be able to prove that which is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Probably one of my utmost favorite scriptures. You know why? Because this is what we ought to be doing as New Testament believer. From the day you get born again, you're going to spend the rest of your Christian walk changing the way you think. This is why someone has to get up to teach. In the, in the morning, on a Sunday morning service, I used to ask people, why does someone have to get up and teach? You know, when I was younger, we'd go to uh, services that were about four, five hours, sometimes long. And I would always ask my parents, why does someone have to uh, get up and, and, and teach from the Word? And they could never give me an answer. All they said was, you know what? That's what we've always done. Someone comes, we sing the fast songs, we get into the slow ones, and someone has to get up and teach. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that the reason we teach is so that we can give you some some knowledge that you can use to renew your mind. Amen? So that you can begin to partake or manifest that which is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's your mind and your will. God has blessed mankind uh, with what I like to call free, free will. What that means is you and I, unlike the animals, have a freedom to choose. Amen. Scripture says in uh, Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, you 
choose life so that you and your seed may live. So God also blessed uh, mankind with free will, and he also blessed us with emotion. God wants us to enjoy emotions of joy, happiness. These are the emotions that God wants us to partake of, peace. Amen? And emotions are under your control. You know, we dealt with that uh, in our teaching uh, uh, the worry-free life. We dealt in detail with how you can control uh, the emotions, how you can feel good about life, and how you can turn on and turn off emotions. But in dealing with the mind last week, we established uh, two principles that I just want to revisit quickly before we get into our subject for today. We say that your mind, according to uh, Ephesians, Chapter number 4, verse 23, your mind is divided into two. And there is what Ephesians 4, 23 calls the spirit of your mind. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Amen. And we said, uh, this is also known as the heart. Uh, it's also known as the conception chamber. Uh, conception chamber. Amen. And uh, we said uh, with this, there is also what is known as your rational mind. And your rational mind processes everything that comes here before it sends it into your heart as seed. And whatever seed is approved in your rational mind when it reaches your conception chamber, is going to come to pass. It's going to bring forth fruit. You can also call the conception chamber the garden of your heart. Amen? And what's interesting about a garden is that whenever you don't plant seeds in a garden, weeds grow. And when, you know, your, your rational mind is not throwing the Word of God and carefully processing everything that comes into your heart... Guess what? You're going to have all kinds of weeds growing. In other words, you're going to have all kinds of stray, crazy, vain thoughts taking over your thinking. That's why scripture says in 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 8, I believe, or verse 9, it says, be sober, be vigilant. That word sober means be void of speculative imaginations. How do you get speculative imaginations when you have stray seeds just go into your heart and just start springing forth. You will start creating your own reality. <laughs> Amen? You start creating your own crazy reality, which is not in line with God's word. And so God wants us to carefully select and choose the kind of seeds that we plant in our garden, in our hearts. This is what I like to call the gatekeeper as well. Your rational mind is, is the gatekeeper. It's very important uh, for you to have a rational mind that is renewed to God's word, that processes everything according to God's word. This is why scripture says in Romans 10 verse 17, it says, so then faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by. That's an interesting word there. He didn't say faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. He didn't say that. He said you hear by. What that means is, when you're hearing by something, that something you're hearing by is your unit of measurement or your standard of measurement. So when you hear 
in your rational mind, you must hear by the word of God. In other words, every seed must be checked out against God's word. And then when you throw it in here, it's going to spring forth faith. You must always check it out by the word of God. Amen? I said amen. And so, the reason why we teach grace, and the Apostle Paul, I believe, would go into detail to try and teach grace, you would always make sure that your rational mind gets the message of grace. And, you know, with that, you also made sure that uh, your rational mind gets the message of God's goodness. You know why? Because if you don't establish this in your rational thinking, you're going to throw seeds of sin consciousness into your heart and you won't be able to approach God with boldness, your heart will condemn you. You'll produce what is called condemnation. And you and I know that uh, Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. So you and I shouldn't be condemned, but for us not to be condemned, we must plant seeds of grace into our hearts, seeds of God's goodness into our hearts, so that when the next, uh, the next time you drop a cup or a glass at home, you won't say, oh yeah, I know exactly why. It's because I shouted at someone in traffic. The next time something bad happens to, into your life, you won't be able to say, oh yeah, I know, I know exactly why, because I'm a bad person. You know what that, that reveals? It reveals that your heart is not yet established in the grace of God, the unconditional love of God, and the goodness of God. Amen? I said amen. And so this is why we, we, we're teaching your rational mind to realize that God does not treat you based on your performance. What you do or what you don't do. Amen? God's love for you is unconditional. Watch what he says in 1 John 3, 21. He says, Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we will have confidence towards God. Notice he didn't say if, if the devil condemns us, because the devil can't. He was already defeated. The devil, the only thing he can do is deceive you to condemn yourself. The very thing that condemns you is your own heart. Did you read that? He says, beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we are going to have confidence with God. The reason why people do not have confidence with God is because they've been exposed to so much religious stuff that tells their rational thinking and their gatekeeper that you are a bad person. Man, you stinky thing. You, you, you better be glad God didn't smote you yet. No one ever told them that, hey, listen, in your rational thinking, I want you to think this rationally. This is why the Apostle Paul would always try to make sense of his argument. God sent his one and only begotten son to die for you. That should convince you in your thinking that, you know what, I think I'm worth something. If Jesus came to die for me, I think I'm worth something. This is why there are scriptures that say God is mindful of you. What that means is God's mind is full of you. Jesus is trying to convince people. He's saying, you know what? God knows the very number of hair on your head. He's trying to get you in your rational thinking to say, you know what? If he knows the very number of hair on my head, he will certainly know when the rent is due. Because there are millions upon billions of, in fact, here yeah, is one of the most 
uh, uh, constantly and consistently changing things on your body. You're either losing hair, hallelujah, praise the Lord, or you're getting some hair, amen? But God keeps up. You know why he keeps up? Because he's personal with you. And so you have to realize in your just everyday thinking that God is personal. In fact, let's try it. Someone shout, God is personal with me. God, he knows my needs. All of them. Amen. And this will change the way you pray. Amen. It will change the way you pray. Oh, someone else is watching on YouTube. And <laughs> okay, today we're looking at someone else different. Uh, I just wanted to get us uh, uh, on par with this. But today we're looking at the power of imagination in dealing with all of this. Because after this happens, you know, your heart here begins to take everything we are teaching over here. And in your heart is where the fabric of your imagination is. And a lot of people, when we say imagination, you know, they discount it because they think it's, it's childish. They think it's fairy tale. They think it's not important. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, God wants to work with your imagination. God's, God wants to change the way you see things. The reason why God uses adjectives, he uses a flowery terms to, to, to convey promises to his children is because he wants to start forming some mental pictures in their head. The reason why he said to the children of Israel, I'm giving you a land that flows with milk and honey is because he wanted to change their mental pictures from, you know, being slaves, making bricks with uh, straw, to over here uh, seeing a land of prosperity and God blessing them and, and showering them with his love. The reason why God said to Abraham, Abraham, get out of your tent, is because he wanted to give Abraham a picture. God does not speak in, para in, in paragraphs. He speaks in pictures. He said to Abraham, Abraham, what are you doing? I'm sleeping in my tent. What are you looking at? I'm looking at the roof of the tent. Speaks of limitation. Come out of the tent. Look up to the sky. He looked up. He says, can you number the stars? I mean, the guy starts counting. One, two, three, four. He says, as many as the stars are, that's how many kids I'm going to give you. And this guy doesn't even have one child. God is conveying a message, and he does it through pictures. If you look at uh, Ephesians chapter number 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul could have said, now unto him, God, who is able to do uh, stuff for you. He didn't say that. He says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding. I would have been happy if he stopped right there. But he wants you to start having pictures of a su superfluous. <laughs> That's a good word. Superfluous, extravagantly generous God who's getting ready to shower you, not just with good things, but all of his power, his grace is at your disposal. Now unto him who's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above. That would have been good. He keeps going. Above all that you can ever think. Ask or imagine according to the power that is at work in you. So God has given his children uh, something called imagination. And animal is one of the few things uh, that distinguishes us as well uh, from the animal kingdom. You know, two things, free will and imagination. Animals do not have an imagination. 
And I'm going to prove it to you. Animals do not have an imagination. This is why birds have been making the same bird nests in design for the past 6,000 years they've been in existence. Same birds. Same bird nest. 6,000 years. Can you imagine? Mankind have progressed from making, you know, uh, mud huts to making uh, 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 cement houses, brick and mortar, to making three, four, five. And now in Dubai, they go all the way to 300-story buildings. And all of that started in someone's imagination. It starts off as a thought. And then they sit down with people like Neo, who are uh, designers, and they start pouring out those thoughts. And they sit there before they even see the building. You know what word they use? They say, I can see it. They smile at each other and say, yeah, I see it, I see it, I see it, yeah, I see it. And they walk out of the building knowing that they've seen exactly what needs to be built. And those builders, without the seeing of the people that use their imagination, can't even build it. Did you know that? It all starts with your imagination. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you this morning to start engaging your imagination in the promises of God. Start seeing yourself in the future. Man, praise God we don't have to be stuck in our present realities. Praise God we don't have to be stuck in the past. Thank you, Jesus, that I can go 10 years from today. Thank you, Jesus, that I can go to next week. And see all my needs met because you said it in your word. And when I start receiving those words, I can let those words start to paint. See, God's word can be the paintbrush and the paint on the canvas of your imagination. And also the news can, can be that. But you want God's word to be the one that paints on the canvas of your imagination. Genesis chapter number 126. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. I want you to see how verse 26 starts. It starts off with a conversation in the realm of imagination. God is talking to the Godhead. He's talking to, it's God the Father, uh, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. They're having a meeting. And they said, let us make man in our image. And they could all see it. Let us make man in our image. Let, let, let's do this for man. This man is going to be able to do this. He's going to be able to do that, that. And then verse 27, he says, then he created him. Because everything starts off as an imagination. It starts off as an image from another nation. That's what imaginations mean. Amen? And when you start engaging your imagination, you start tapping into images from God's nation, from the kingdom. of. When we say let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, man, you ought to have a glimpse of what's taking place in heaven. You at least ought to have an idea of what's going on to heaven if you're going to bring it to pass in the earth realm. So you need to uh, engage your imagination. Uh, ten years ago, my wife and I got married. Uh, not ten, actually seven. 2013 minus 20. Seven years ago, my wife and I uh, uh, decided we got married ten years ago, but we decided we were going to buy a house in 2013. And so we had a few people, mentors, that were pushing us, challenging us about buying a house and so on and so forth. And we just could never find the house. 
And at the time, my wife was uh, about five months pregnant, and one of our mentors, Stacy from Atlanta, she came and she said, you know what? You guys are playing games. This baby can't come while you're staying in your one-bed apartment. That's not going to happen. I mean, she's sitting on us. There's pressure. Man, how many of you know that you need mentors that put pressure on you? Sometimes when you're getting complacent, I mean, she's sitting on us. And we say every weekend, we're going out looking for houses. We come back with an excuse. She said, no, I'm getting tired of your excuse. What are you looking for? And that was the question that broke the, 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 the back. What are you looking for? We didn't even know what we were looking for. There was nothing in our imagination. She took a, a, a little a serviette from the restaurant. She said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to write down what you're looking for. And we started writing down. She said, okay, this is what you want. Tick, this is what you want. Uh, what do you want? She's, you know, getting this information out of us. <laughs> My wife is giving that information to her. We want a scullery. We want a kitchen. We want this. We want that. By the time we finished uh, writing those things down on the paper, we could all see the house that we were looking for. And I kid you not, within a week, we walked into that house and we said, this is it. Yeah. What happened? God gave us mental pictures that sparked something on the inside of us. Amen? Man, I'm telling you, you need these mental pictures that spark something on the inside of you. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 11. Your imagination can create your future. All things you see in life right now started off in someone's imagination. Your car, your iPad, your cell phone started off in someone else's imagination. Amen? I said Amen. This is what it says in Genesis 11 from verse 1 to 8. I'm reading in the King James. And the whole earth was one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shina. And they dwelt there and they said one to another, Go, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime uh, had they for mortar. And they said... Go, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Let us make us a name. Let us be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had builded. And he said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this that they begin to do, and now... Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined. Did you see that? It says nothing will be uh, restrained from them. Can I, can I read in the original King James? It says proposed there. In the original King James, KJ21, it says nothing will be uh, 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 stopped which they have imagined to do. You got it? Oh, we don't have King James. Okay, that's good. It says nothing they have proposed to do. Uh, nothing they have imagined to do. And it says in verse 7, Let us go down there, confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from uh, thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build uh, the city. They didn't build it anymore. But it's interesting here that the first thing God did to stop the building from happening there are some interesting statements we're going to look at. But the first thing God did was he stopped them from communicating one to another. You know why? Because words are supposed to paint pictures. As long as they could talk to one another, they could paint pictures of this thing that they were trying to build. 
But if you can't talk to each other, guess what? You can shut it down. See, the enemy is trying to build some things in your imagination and is using the same principle. He's using words. And when you allow those words to come into your heart, they begin to paint an imagination. Either an imagination of success from God, God's word, or an imagination of failure. The enemy will tell you all kinds of stuff. He'll tell you that you're not qualified, and you, you begin to see it. If you receive those words, they'll literally paint on the canvas of your imagination. He'll tell you no one in your family has ever done it before. And guess what? It doesn't matter if no one in my family has ever done it before. I can go into my imagination and be the first one to do it. Amen. And here's what's cool about imagination is that you don't pay any money for it. It's free. Amen? But listen to what is God said here. So these guys are still sitting down and proposing, right? How many of you know that the Tower of Babel was never built? It was never built. They never built it to get to the sky to do what they wanted to do to make their king God. It never happened because God confounded them and they couldn't talk one to another. But when God looked at uh, uh, what they were talking about and how their imaginations were already established to do it, listen to what God said. He said in verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. So from God's perspective, this thing was already a reality. And I want to tell you, from God's perspective, your imagination is already a reality. You know why? Because once something hits your conception chamber, remember what we said? A baby is coming. So from God's perspective, he says, this thing they've already built it. Because nothing they have imagined to do can be stopped. And this word imagination is in the Greek, uh, the word yester, Y-E-S-T-E-R. And it's the same word uh, used in Isaiah 26 verse 3 where it says, uh, uh, He shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him, whose imagination is stayed on him. Can I give you homework? In fact, life work, not homework. This one is going to be life work. Every 10, 15 minutes before you go to sleep, you must sit down and see the future you want to see. Don't give up the faculties of your imagination to, you know, I was just dreaming this thing. I don't know where it came from. Can you interpret this dream? I dream what I want to dream. Because I've learned that when I start dreaming it, Guess what? It's already a reality. Amen? It does something. Have you ever noticed how, you know, when you uh, uh, decide you want to buy a car and you're looking at a specific car, and then you look at it, you look at it on the internet, and it paints some pictures on the canvas of your imagination. You didn't even know that that was uh, taking place. And then you start driving out to go to the mall. All of a sudden, it's, wait, hey, hey, everybody driving this car, I didn't even know it. Amen? What happened? You exposed your imagination to something new, and all of a sudden, it's now uh, uh, recognizing it. Well, why don't you expose your imagination to prosperity? And you're going to start walking around saying, oh, opportunities, opportunities. Oh, 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 let's make money. Ah. Amen? 
Whatever you expose your heart to, you're going to start seeing it. Those of you who are, uh, are still believing God to get married, expose your heart to uh, an abundance of uh, eligible, godly, blessed, rich spouses. Not, oh yeah, pastor, there's nothing going on out there. You know what? If you say that and you paint that on your imagination, guess what? You want? Nothing, 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 nothing. That's what you see. That will bless somebody. <laughs> Amen. All right, quickly, let's go now to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 18. Man, I'm running out of time. Did you know that other people's testimonies can also help engage your imagination to inspire us, but it doesn't stop there. We can even go further. Before 1954, no one had ever run uh, a mile under four minutes. Before 1954, no one had ever run a mile under four minutes. Roger Bannister came and broke the four-minute mile. Uh, 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 and from that day until today, 1,400 people have run below four minutes. He came and he broke something. And when people heard the news, it painted something on the canvas of their imagination. And the 1,400 told themselves in their imagination, I can do it too. When God gave us the word to read, he's just not uh, uh, showing us what things were obstacles for the people in the Old Testament. He's giving us faith targets. If Elisha could raise someone from the dead, guess what? I can do it too. If Jesus said these things that I have done, greater things shall you do because I go unto my Father. Guess what? If I paint that on the canvas of my, my, my imagination, I'm going to start having opportunities. And as I lay hands on those people, they're going to get well. In fact, most successful healing ministers, I don't know why I'm talking about healing. Uh, uh, most successful healing ministers see the people healed before everybody else. That's why when you go to a healing ministry, they'll bring someone on, on a stretcher. And the healing minister in his heart is already seeing this guy run around. So he acts crazy. Because he's dealing from an imagination that you haven't seen. So he says, pick him up. And then you pick him up. He says, let him go. <laughs> Everybody else is saying, no, we can't do that. You know why? Because they are stuck in a false reality. He has already seen them running around. Let him go. Have you ever seen what I'm talking about? And then you let him go and all of a sudden the guy is, he says, run. <laughs> run? And the guy starts running. What happened? The healing minister saw it before it happened. That's why he is not phased. Amen? He was looking at a diff different reality. This is why scripture says we do not look at the things that are seen. Why? Because the things that are seen are temporary. We look at the things that are unseen. Why? Because the things that are unseen are eternal. So you need to fix your eyes on things that are unseen. That's 2 Corinthians 4.18, by the way. Why? We do not look at things that are seen. For the things that are seen are temporary. Don't be stuck in a, in a, in a sensual reality. We can live beyond just what the five senses can perceive. Amen? 
This is why Jesus shows up at the scene after preaching to the 5,000. He says, okay, I see the people are hungry. He went to the disciples. He says, feed them. And the disciples says, no, we, we need to send them home because what we have is not enough. And Jesus says, what, what do you have? He says, we have two fish and five loaves of bread. You remember the story? 5,000. And the disciples even went on to say, what is this amongst so many? And Jesus says, give it to me. He took it. And here's what's fascinating about what Jesus uh, did in that particular verse. If you read Mark 4, uh, Mark 6, uh, Mark chapter number 6, verse 35. In fact, let me read from verse 41 because our time is, 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 is almost fast spent. From verse 41, then when he had taken the two fish, the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up. Someone say he looked up. He looked up to heaven, blessed, the, uh, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided amongst them, so they all, someone say all. all. So they all ate and were filled. But let's go back to verse 41. He says, when you took the two fish and the five loaves, you looked up. That phrase, you looked up in the Greek, is the Greek word anablepo. Ana, which means twice or secondary. Blepo, which means sight. So when Jesus looked up, he's not just doing some religious thing to make you think he's religious. When Jesus took the two visions of, oh, oh, look at what he's doing. Oh, oh. No, Jesus, scripture, anablepo, he looked up, means he looked at a different reality. He took the two fish and the five loaves and he looked at a different reality. And from that reality's perspective, there was more than enough. From this reality's perspective, there was nothing. But from that perspective, there was more than enough. And after he looked up, he gave thanks. Began to broke it and fed 5,000. Probably 9,000 because they didn't count women and children. What happened? Jesus knew that there was a bigger reality than the reality that he was stuck in, in the circumstantial realm. Amen? I said amen. Where did I tell you to go before we went there? I said Romans chapter number uh, 15 verse 4 as we close. Thank you, Jesus. Man, you ought to look up. It says in Romans chapter number 15 verse 4, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Just like Roger did to the runners, when you read about Abraham, it is supposed to give you joy. It is supposed to minister to you encouragement. It is supposed to paint new pictures in your heart of what exactly God can do in any situation that you might find yourself in. Amen? Man, I'm telling you, this is good stuff. Before I go to sleep every single day, I look up, and I start painting pictures. Oh, not only do I do that every single day, I also write things I want to see down. I also write them down. In the world, you see, the world has been stealing all these things that God meant for his children. In the world, they call it the law of visualization, and they'll tell you all kinds of crazy stuff. They'll say, you know, when you start visualizing, the universe will attract these things and to you and so on. That's just crazy. It may happen, but it's so limited. What God wants you to do is to see it in the realm of your imagination inspired by his word, and when God starts backing up his word, he will bring it to, not the universe, God will bring it to pass. 
You know, in the motivational world, man, they're just stealing our stuff, and it makes me angry. What makes me even more angry is that the Christians have thrown away the baby with the dirty bathwater. They say, we don't want all that imagination stuff because it's not in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Jesus would always say, I do the things which I see my father do. Where did he see his father do those things? In the realm of his imagination. He would see it before it happened. Man, can you imagine? Is there a movie? That's, a, that's that movie, uh, My Dear Watson. What's that movie called? Uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes. Remember Sherlock? Could see things before it happened. I mean, he would beat up someone. Punch him in the face. Teeth falling out. And then he would say, you know what? Let me warn you. He would come back. <laughs> say, let me warn you. Because I'm going to punch you and then I'm going to get all your teeth to fall out. Man, wouldn't it be awesome just to be able to see the reality before it happens? Well, let me tell you, you can. <clears throat> you can see people healed before they get healed. See, what's been limiting you is you're praying hands and then you're waiting to see what happens. Well, see it before it happens. You can see your life turning around before it happens. Start engaging your imagination. And start seeing these things in the realm of the imagination. Did that bless you? Well, why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you this morning. We just give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord, we just thank you that you have given us this ability to see things in the spirit, to see things uh, before they manifest. Lord, we just thank you, Father, that this morning every single person under the sound of my voice, if they have their godly imagination activated. Lord, we shut down any speculative imagination. We shut down any, any, any fearful imaginations. We shut down any scarcity imaginations. And Lord, we just thank you, Father, that these, your children, will be able to let your promises paint on the canvas of their hearts, on the canvas of their imagination. Lord, we thank you and we give you all of the praise. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen and Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who